and welcome back to Performer Talks. Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to talk to you about Performing Arts Mag. Performing Arts Mag is a completely free online magazine specifically designed to help performers and performing arts-based businesses. Performing Arts Mag provides engaging, relevant and insightful content on the industry from leading professionals in the business. And like I say, it's all completely free and there to help make our industry more accessible for everyone. To download any of our free monthly editions, just head to the link in our show notes. And don't forget to check out Performing Arts Mag's website to keep up to date with all the latest theatre, film and TV news. A massive thank you for listening to our show. Don't forget, if you love this episode, please leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. Let's get on with today's episode. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the very talented Luke Willis, who is an actor and a lovely, lovely person. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Oh, thank you, Beth. That was a very kind introduction. That's okay. I kind of got to. (laughs) I know you in person. You'll see me next week. I can't not be nice. (laughs) You're really selling me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm only teasing. He's lovely and I would never lie about it. Um, So how are you? Are you okay? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Other than the brief mention of the mild food poisoning, uh, but 24 hours, it'll be totally out of the system. So quite happy. Good to go. Talking to you, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're fine. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I would love for you to tell the listeners at home a little bit about who you are and what you get up to. Uh, Well, predominantly, I'd say I'm an actor. I would say I'm an actor. Um, (laughs) I got back into acting, talking about five years ago now, and it was just something I I needed to do, something creative. Um, I've always been into art. Um, model making, music, this sort of thing. And drama was always something I loved in school. So I just I just thought, you know what, I'm going to just go to a class, see how we get on. And when I went to my first class, I walked up to the door and I was just like, what am I doing here? And I just walked off. I got to the end of the road and I thought, no, I've got to force myself, went back. And I've never looked back. It, it really changed a lot of things for me so um i've gone from just doing classes to doing um i've done quite a lot of like improv nights stand-up comedy um a lot of short films um a little bit of telly and then i'm just starting to get into theater now so um that's been amazing it's always something i swore i'd never do so that's been really interesting and yeah very enjoyable yeah absolutely and you say obviously you it was something you never really thought you would be able to do. Why, why was that? Why is it suddenly kind of crept back into your life? I mean, when we were in school, it was always a case of you, you leave school, you go to sixth form, you get a proper job. And anything creative sort of was frowned upon and was just seen purely as a hobby. And I just didn't think it was viable. And I felt at the time I didn't really have the confidence to to push myself and go in that direction. So I had years of just 
like I was on a constant midlife crisis where I'd get well into really passionate about certain things for periods of time, whether it be music and playing in bands or um, kickboxing or getting into football uh, and art. And then with acting, I've always had such a massive interest in film. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to sod what anyone else thinks. I'm just going to do it. And uh, as I say, it was, it was the best thing I've done, I think. And really. you say it's the best thing you've done. And since you started again, you've like never looked back. So what is that feeling that's kind of made you... What's what's changed in you because of acting? I think it's just you. You often surprise yourself, and then if you're if you're able to tell a story within a scene and have people react to it, like I, I love that. I love that with um, especially with the we did Jekyll and Hyde recently um, at the Lace Market Theatre, and I wasn't. I went into that just thinking I was just going to go for a small role and ended up auditioning for the lead male role in it, which I got. But developing that character and then doing different performances every night and having the, the, the audience response like fluctuate was just amazing. It was amazing. And having that like control over a scene. Um, and I just don't think there's anything like it. You, you're, you're immediately performing in front of people. You're, you're, you're getting that response. And it's like when, when you're doing stand-up, um, you know, if you get up and deliver a joke and no one laughs, that is the most embarrassing and humiliating thing I think I could ever imagine. But fortunately, whenever I've done stand-up, it's been positive. And the adrenaline... Um, I think ultimately that's what it's all about, that adrenaline rush and knowing you've done well and people are happy with what they've seen. And like, if you've entertained people, then yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you've done your job. So it's, it's massive for me. And I say doing like, especially like live performances. Um, yeah, I just, there's never been anything like it for me whether it be music or drama, if you can make people laugh or, like, cry. And, I was, yeah, I just think it's beautiful. And it needs to be, yeah. I think it was when I was in lockdown, I realised how important it was because you can only sit and watch things on TV or binge something on Netflix for so long before you think, you know what, I'd like to see more live theatre, live performances. And I think that's made a massive difference. Human interaction is certainly undervalued and underutilized when everything is so easily accessible on a phone streaming i think people need should go back to the basics and see more theater get out more support the theater yeah Yeah. that's what i'm saying (laughs) a hundred percent and i think that's what a lot of people missed during lockdown was that And I think as actors, we missed it as well. Having that live audience, having that human interaction, I missed it massively. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we were quite fortunate because when it did happen, we were were able to still do classes um, with a couple of the different groups I work with. Um, So like Actors Workshop, Tim ran 
all of the sessions online. I don't know what I would have done without them. Uh, but then there's also another group um, of friends I have. We, we've done classes and workshops together for ages, but we, we started working on things uh, while we were in lockdown. So, you know, we had things to do to keep us occupied instead of just watching the news and seeing how depressing everything was and not being able to see anybody. Um, but yeah, I think it, for me, it put emphasis on the importance of, of being around people and working with people and that interaction. So you get on a train or you get on a train or a bus now, and how many people are sat not on their phones? You almost look at the people who aren't on their phones and think, right, what's wrong with them? But uh, it, it's it's just yeah, dangerous stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think you've made a really good point there of that it was nice to have other people around you when you were in lockdown that you were working with and doing workshops and classes with and that kind of kept you going how important yeah. is it because people see acting as a very solo career but it's more collaborative than people think how important is it to have a really good circle around you yeah 100 percent. and you don't always want to you don't want people around you who are just gonna agree with everything you do and put out there and just people who were just you know patting you on the back um you know, and it, it's it's nice to have that, but you want a bit of honesty. And if you've got people around you who who you work well with, and you can offer each other support, it's it's just so essential. You could, you know, I've, I've the latest script I've just produced. It's we're in pre-production at the moment, but I I almost didn't want because it's quite personal to me. I almost didn't want anyone else to read it which is ridiculous. But then when I did, there were just a couple of little pointers that were suggested and it just changed everything entirely and it made it more human and more believable, probably more relatable. And then um, we've, we've had like, we've had like read throughs and it's, it's gone like beautifully, like perfectly well. And, that wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't. I wouldn't have been so happy with the outcome if I didn't have other input. If it's just all me, it's a bit, you know, you don't want to be that selfish. You want to take a bit of influence from other people as well. So I, I do. I think it's really essential. You can't rely on yourself for everything. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's great to have other people around you. And I liked what you said there about when you shared your work, you almost didn't want to share it because it was too personal. There's such a high level of vulnerability that comes from being an artist and being a creative because so much of it is your life experience. Do you find that hard to kind of bring that barrier down to show people your your true emotions within within acting in your work? I think in a writing sense, yes. Um, but I think as a performer, not at all. Like I think when you're performing and you can take influence from your own experiences and utilise it effectively, um, I think that's like so beneficial. I'm not saying constantly get yourself into awkward situations um, and put yourself in danger and things, but uh, certainly you've got to use these experiences and and 
try and relate to the character you're portraying. If you can't relate to a character you're portraying, there's no point in, there's no point. <laughs> um, you've got to, even if you're playing a character who on paper might come across as a despicable character, someone you wouldn't particularly like, you have to find something within that character you relate to because otherwise it's just not going to be remotely believable. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think when you're playing a character as well, you can't judge them. And I think that's the trap that a lot of us fall into. We fall into, oh, I'd never play that role because it's nothing like me. But the job as an actor is to find things that you do relate to and try and understand and have empathy for the situation that's got them to be how they are. 100%, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, that's why with character development, I try and spend ages before I do, even if it's like a short film, I'll spend I'll spend a lot of time just developing, like, I'll make, I'll, I'll make a list, a big list of bullet points of ideas I've got about this particular character and almost do like a, um, like a spider diagram and just sort of go off, almost go off on a, t like I do now, <laughs> go on a, on a tangent in all these different areas um, and add that, those layers to your character. And I just, I think that's so essential. Like, I mean, how many times do you watch something and you're thinking of oh, it, they're not really feeling that they're not really behind that and yeah that would be a big worry for me like when we did um, when we did Jekyll and Hyde um, the character I portrayed was it was no way I, not a character I would have played at all I turned up to the audition and the casting director was like are you here to audition for Utterson and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> I've not, I've not, I've read the original, but I'm not like, I didn't know what this play was about. It was a totally different interpretation of Jacqueline Hyde, you see. And I went in read for it and I just tried to be as calm, relaxed as I could. And I, I got off the part like the following day. And I worked so hard to relate to that character because it wouldn't have been, it's not someone I automatically would think, oh, this guy's amazing. Like, he's a very dull um, traditional Victorian man who's not really done anything remotely interesting in his life. Um, a bit like me. No, but I, <laughs> I Yeah, it, it wasn't a, an overly interesting character, so I had to try and add more complexity to it and, yeah, work on that development. But it really paid off. It's fantastic. We got some very good reviews, a lot of positivity from that. So, yeah. Yeah, your reviews were amazing for that show. How did it, did you know you were going to be reviewed? I had an idea. I had an idea we might get one or two reviews, but um, yeah, the, the, the only negative reviews we had were, because the, the play we did was very much, it was like, a, it was very much a feminist play. Um, there was a lot of ideas in terms of breaking down the original, like the stereotype, like Jekyll and Hyde, it's predominantly quite strong male characters. The female characters in it are just sort of passengers. There's, there's not really a very interesting female character in the original story. So this is totally different because all the leads, the majority of the leads in the play are female. 
and it really has so much emphasis on a tr- you know pushing strong female characters which in theater again still like we're seeing it more in film now but in theater there's still quite a long way to go with it um and uh, <laughs> the only negative reviews we really had were sort of older gentlemen who may have watched it and felt possibly a little bit threatened by the some of the implications which i thought was a real positive personally yeah i mean you only get haters when you're doing something right that's it and i say if if it was really that bad they wouldn't have felt the need to write this seven or eight paragraph review about how offensive it was no it wasn't that bad at all it wasn't that bad but um no the general feedback was fantastic and it was i believe it was like one of the best-selling plays they've done at that theater in obviously covid but i think in the last like five six years i think we sold out i don't know if it was four or five out of seven shows and yeah it, it did it went down incredibly well really yeah really quite a good uh seller yeah, that's incredible. And it's it's really um, a testament because art is so subjective. There are always going to be mixed reviews no matter what what you go to. Um, but the fact that you guys got so many outstanding reviews showed the level of talent that was displayed. Did you have a great connection off stage as well as on stage with the other actors? Oh, we all bonded really well off stage, definitely. Um and I said I was really fortunate because the lady Emily, who played the lead, you know, uh, Jekyll slash Hyde, um, she was she was absolutely amazing to work with. She was so patient, and we I felt we had a really good um, chemistry between us. I thought we gelled really well from the first time we just did a basic read through. You felt there was the timing's brilliant, um, and just sort of the tone of our accents and our voices and we were quite complimentary towards each other and you know a lot of the time that's the thing a lot of people forget without doing it's about making your partner look good and I felt she was incredibly generous um, and it was it was great I say the rest of the cast there was, there was, some, there was some there was some very good people there but uh, she in particular we shared a lot of quite dynamic scenes together um, so I was fortunate to you know work with somebody of that sort of caliber and yeah it was fantastic the reason i asked that is because i always find the shows that get great reviews there's not only chemistry on stage but off stage the actors know each other and they they get on with each other and they spend time together and i think that energy that's created when they're off stage is sometimes brought on stage and i find that a really interesting dynamic and it's lovely to see when it happens yeah, definitely. I mean, when when we first took this uh, this role on, when I, when we first started, we we could sort of just come out of the the second lockdown. So while we were rehearsing, it, it was difficult to for us all to meet up. And when we were rehearsing, everyone had to face masks and we had to keep distant. And as I said, there was there was a couple of like intimate parts in it, so we obviously had to be so careful and keep within regulations. And then there was various people, including myself, um, during rehearsals, uh, tested positive. So that really, like, 
uh, interfered with the rehearsal side of it. But I think despite that, everyone was so open and everyone wanted to do well. It was like everybody wanted was was so into the project that it just made it like a pleasure, like working with with all of them. Really, everyone was so into it. I think you have to be, you know, if you've got someone who can't wear anything, that brings the vibe down a little bit. Massively. And everyone was so positive and supportive. And I didn't tell anybody initially, but that was the first, like, play I auditioned for and been involved in. So for me, I felt, I, I get imposter syndrome at the best of times. So at that, when, when I first got off the part, I was like, shit, what? Like, I didn't expect that to happen. So I'm kind of like, am I going to be out of my depth? But quite soon, once you feel relaxed, you you, you realise why you're there. You wouldn't have got cast in it if you weren't capable of fulfilling the role. So, you know, you've just got to have so much more. You've just got to believe in yourself. That's such a prominent thing in actors is imposter syndrome. We, I think because as actors, we're taught to be very self-aware of critiquing ourselves and being very self-disciplined, especially when you're a self-employed performer, you're constantly looking at yourself, reviewing what you could do better and going on to the next thing. And I think it's so easy to get in that critical mindset and yeah. get that imposter syndrome. So what would you say to anyone who's currently dealing with imposter syndrome? What's the best things to tell yourself to get out of that headspace? You've, you've got to remember why you're doing it and why you're there. I mean, ultimately, if if you're involved and and you love it, you, you are gonna have you are gonna have some talent there. Like, don't get me wrong, so, but you need to remember like there's not many things in life you enjoy anymore. And but ultimately, if you're acting, you should be doing it purely because you enjoy it. And if you're there criticizing everything you do or everything somebody else does. Are you really enjoying yourself? You need to put a lot of work in to, you know, script-wise and character-wise. But once you have all that and that and, and you've done all your homework and you've done all your research and you feel comfortable within that role, there's no reason why you should feel out of place on set or on, on stage. There's no reason at all. Because I say, if you've, been, if you've been casting something, whether you've been to drama school or not, because, as you know, I, I didn't go to drama school, but the amount of people who assume I did is it's quite flattering. However, it can be slightly embarrassing. But I've, I've worked with people who've been to drama school and went to theatre school, and, and I've, I've been with people who've just purely done it sort of as they've got older. And done it on the side. And I tell you what, a lot of a lot of the actors I know, are people from working class backgrounds who've worked full time, have done a series of jobs, and might have had you know not necessarily the the best uh, life experiences. Well, life experience, but you know what I mean. But I find I find a lot of these people can often put on a, a better performance than somebody who's like professionally trained. Don't get me wrong, drama school is really important and everything, but, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all. If you're working class, you never feel out of place because, guaranteed, like, a, a lot of these amazing actors, especially people around at the moment, like Stephen Graham, um, like Vicky McClure, 
some incredible actors who have, have worked hard. That's what it's about, it's working hard and, and working with the right people. You don't necessarily have to go to drama school and tick that off your list so you can tell people you've been. There are other ways around it. But I say with imposter syndrome, it's, uh, yeah, I think you're always going to get it, but it's it's nerves. And I, I always think, like, especially when you're going on stage, you're always going to be a bit nervous. But if you weren't nervous, the situation wouldn't matter that much to you. And you, you've got to think what's at stake and whether or not you're going to fuck up your lines or, sorry, F-bomb. Uh, whether if you're going to mess up your lines or anything more and having that anxiety just means you care just means you care but I think I think now people are a lot more open casting directors are a lot more open uh, to working class actors than they would have been say even like 10 years ago and so I think that's got to be really positive for people and people just have to remember that everything's down to interpretation and what one person might think was an incredible performance, someone else might not have related to it. So you've just got to have faith in yourself and the people around you and just just get yourself out there. It's that simple. Is it? (laughs) 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 Sorry. Um, So I really wanted to talk to you about your short film that you did because I watched your short film and I was in shock when you told me you'd done it on a zero budget because it looks like you had a good budget for this short film. There were so many elements and props and scenery and backdrops and costume and actors. I literally couldn't get over the fact that you'd done it on zero budget. So please, how? (laughs) Well, yeah, it was wasn't quite zero. It was more um, out of my own pocket and reeling in favours. And um, a, a couple of days before, my my mum had to help me out because I was struggling. I was on the phone. Oh, good old mums. As you do. But um, yeah, it, it was. It, it came up quite weirdly because it was in Nexus networking event they do in Nottingham. Uh, they were running a, a night and they were doing a prize giveaway thing. And there was a studio that was giving away rehearsal time, or like, you know, space, like two days with a bit of a discount. But so I ended up getting that. So I was like, right, I've got a really short space of time in which to book this place and then two days to film something and like the turnover was ridiculous it was so quick we had to do it so I was like what do I do right so I just messaged a few people um Lewis Broff who's an amazing DOP he's doing everything DOP um director editor fantastic guy um my friend Lawrence Mason Greta I've worked on a couple of films with him young lad but he's got a fantastic eye for the film. He's got some say he has too. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and like various other people, a lot of people I've met through doing short films with. And, you know, when you're doing short films, you often will do things for expenses, as you probably know. <laughs> so there was there was, there was was a lot of people I'd, I'd done work for and not really asked for anything financially. So when I was looking for people, 
I was very upfront about I can only afford to pay you the very, very minimum, if anything. And everyone was quite happy with that. Everyone was quite keen to be doing a project and just working on something different. And when I initially spoke to Lewis, I just said to him, what sort of film have you always wanted to do that you've never been able to? And he goes, I'd love to do a film noir. I've always wanted to do like a black and white film noir, like 1920s, 1930s. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went off like a madman and wrote this script. Um, so it was, about, it was about probably 12 minutes long or so. And we went through it and we cut things out that didn't need to be there and narrowed it down a bit. And then we literally just had two days to go and film it. And yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty intense. You know, I was doing like costumes, did all the costume hire, um, the car that we used in it. We had an authentic, well, it was 19, early fifties, early 1950s. But uh, so that came up purely by chance. We were looking to hire cars. We're looking about 250, 300 quid for a couple of days. And it turned out that one of the guys working on the film, his neighbour collects vintage cars. So he lent it us purely for petrol money, which was amazing, amazing. Um, but I mean, things like the costumes, um, I just, you know, I did, I did a lot of them myself. Like I had my friend, I can't sew, but I had my friend come over and like police uniforms, we had her, she was sewing the badges on for us and, I bought authentic badges um, and yeah, yeah. We just, we just tried to put these loads of little details in to, to make it more believable. Um, the time period we set it. But I was so fortunate, as I say, I was just fortunate to have such fantastic people helping and working on it with me. But it was very slapdash. We had to rush a lot. Um, and so Lewis did a cracking job editing it. We had um, David Beard, uh, the composer. He worked on it for us. He did a, an original score, which to me uh, is probably, in my opinion, is probably the best thing about the film um, is the score because it's it is fantastic. He did an original score, and it was yeah wonderful. Um, but yeah, it was it was just uh, we we're fortunate to have so many people from Nottingham and Derby involved with it and yeah it was just surprising what you can come out with to say it was filmed in a little warehouse on the edge of the meadows um and to make it look like that it was yeah really quite satisfying Absolutely. i think the idea was to make every shot look like it was from a graphic novel or like an old newspaper and i think visually we we captured that you did very you did. I loved it. I loved watching the short film. And I've also made sure that I've put the link in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to know what we're talking about, head to the link in our show notes because it's there and you can go and watch it and see how much detail went into this short <laughs> film. Um, so with that, you were quite surprised at how many people, because like we say, acting is very collaborative. It's amazing what you can do with just a group of friends and people that you know. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, the, you, through BFI you can get funding um, if, you, if you're wanting to do a film or, you know, a pilot or whatever. But, you know, you do have to fill certain criteria um, and look at the subject matter and if it's, if it's relevant and if it's something that 
you know, these stories that people, you know, feel need to be told. Um, where I say with, with that film, we, we never would have got funding for it because it was just, it was just like an old American serial just to see if we could do it. And, you know, the fact that we did it on such small cost and in such a short space of time um, was, yeah, it was, it was amazing, brilliant. But we, yeah, as I say, it's, it's having that network of people around you. And, you know, it, I think a lot of it comes down to etiquette on set. I've worked with some people, most of the people, fortunately, I've worked with have been really welcoming, lovely people, pleasure to work with. But now and again, I've worked with people who've been, you know, difficult and slightly, like, egotistical. And people just don't want to work with with you if you're going to behave like that. So it is, it's, it's really important to just have a good network of people around you. Um, and people are good at what they do, but yeah, people who you enjoy spending time with, you can have a bit of fun with. Um, definitely. Yeah. And what would you say to someone, if someone came up to you and said they wanted to create their own piece of work, what would your biggest piece of advice be that you learned from creating your own work? Don't put too much as <laughs> it, it's, I feel like a right hypocrite, but <laughs> I, w- I would say don't do anything overly ambitious. Don't be too ambitious with your first piece that you do. Even if you are to make a film that's got a beginning, middle, and end, it might be one minute long. But if it tells a story within that period, brilliant. But just complete it because I say the amount of project I've started and a three quarters of the way done or you know a quarter of the way done and I've just not progressed with them because I've got so many other things going on and you know things go to the back of the pile and it becomes quite overwhelming so I would, I would simply say just keep it to a to a bare minimal I mean with with Night at Nelson's the first thing we did was um obviously it was a period piece so before you've even started, you've, you've just thrown yourself loads of obstacles in there. You know, you've got to make it look so authentic. And, you know, as you kindly said, we, we did quite a good job of bringing that authenticity, you know, through the camera. But I, w- I would say try and set things present day if you can. And just don't try and do too, anything too over the top that's going to be difficult to achieve. If you can keep it simple but you complete a project, that's better than having something on the shelf for two years and doing nothing with it. Yeah. Finish. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice because you learn from everything you do as well. So if you've got that idea, you can work up to that, but at least give yourself the experience of running a project from start to finish to get the experience in your portfolio up and running so that eventually you can work up to that big project. 100%. Yeah, 100%. The first thing I was writing, this is this is years ago now, this is before I got into acting. The first thing I started to write was a sci-fi film, a feature film. And it was it was just so un- like overwhelming. It was like incredible, mind blowing. To the point where it just stressed me out that much that I just left it. And it's an idea I will be coming back to, but I won't be doing it as a full film. It, it, it is likely to be shorter films telling stories within this 
universe, as it were, and you know, telling these shorter individual stories and to be to be able to move with that. Because I say to do a feature film's an insane amount of work. If you do a two minute film, you'll realise that's also like an insane amount of work. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work, isn't it? But was it rewarding for you? Do it again. Oh, incredibly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was the third screenplay I'd written, but just how, you know, just by chance, it just happened to be the the one that we decided to actually make first and uh, put out there. Um, but yeah, 100% do it again. Um, we got it into a couple of festivals, which was real nice. Um, not as many as we'd like, but we got it shown over in Italy. Um, we got it shown in Germany, which was really cool. Just the idea that people from other countries can enjoy something that you've just made down the road from where you grew up um, was pretty cool. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely rewarding to have done. And there will be more. Oh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> so when, when, where can people follow what you get up to and your journey? Well, you're quite welcome to follow me over on Instagram. I'm not the most uh, tech suave, um, you know, influencer, as it were. <laughs> but I do, I, I do post things relative to my, my acting. Um, also, my, I'm well into my food, big food person. That's uh, something that might be in the pipeline at some point, a uh, tutorial Ooh. video potentially but yeah if you want to see what i eat and um watch me when i go to watch football and um anything acting related then yeah you're quite welcome to follow me it's luke.willis7 that's my instagram that's probably the only source you're going to find anything of mine <laughs> i'll yeah. be a detective on that later and double check but i'll make sure i put all the links in the show notes so people can find you and keep up to date with what you're doing thank you Fantastic. so much for coming on the show today no no problem it was a pleasure it was a pleasure talking to you thank you so much and before you go i've got one final question which i ask every single person that comes on the show what advice would you give to any aspiring performers that are listening to this show don't surround yourself with people who are just going to inflate your ego and if you are criticised, just carry on. Just carry on. Don't don't even think about stopping. Just do it and remember why you're doing it. It's all about enjoying yourself. And as I say, there's not enough people who there's not there's not a lot in life you can enjoy anymore. So if you if you've enjoyed your creative performance side of things, just embrace it as much as you can. Because if you don't, you'll only regret it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the warning. Yeah, you'll only live to regret it if you don't. Um, thank you so much for your wonderful advice and for giving up your time, Luke. It's been lovely to have you on the show. No problem at all. Thanks again. Take care. Okay. Thank you to all the listeners at home. I've been your host, Bethany Unwin, and this has been Performer Talks. Thank you so much for listening to Performer Talks. 
you can head to the link in our show notes to download your free copy of Performing Arts Mag now. You can also head to the show notes to get in touch with Bethany at The Performer Journals on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to head to Spotify or iTunes where you can leave us a review. A review helps make the industry more accessible by releasing our podcast to more performers and helping them get the help they need for free. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.